Welcome, Guardians. Why do you always laugh at me every time? The notes don't say welcome. I don't recognize your notes. Just trying to bring us some culture. It's June 5th, 2016. You're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. Sounds so dejected. You were laughing at me. I was laughing with you. Anyway, whatever. You never laugh with me. It's always against me. Everything's against X-Ray. All right, this is episode 28, and this week we're going to continue our look into the future war cult. Uh, The last of the major factions in Destiny. So we've talked about both Dead Orbit and New Monarchy, and last week you heard some uh, a unique episode where we had some... uh, some readings of the Ghost Fragment Vex cards. Uh, we've gotten a lot of great feedback on that one, so another big thanks to Neon and Sherbet for doing some recordings for us. That was really fun, but we're going to continue on, and uh, let's get going. Tonight we have Handsome Dragon. What's up, man? Hey, not too much. How you doing? I'm good. Tired. Long weekend, but... Uh, yeah, I just had my... Uh four-year-old's birthday party today so awesome it was a long day it was fun went to a trampoline like play park type thing and went swimming for a couple hours so they passed out so it was good (laughs) yeah that'll that'll wear them out for sure (laughs) and then we also have drop slash what's up not too much not too much sort of putting a lot of work into these show notes this week. I was not feeling well earlier in the week, so I didn't have as much time as I would have liked, but they'll say they turned out pretty well. And just want to remind people that if they have not listened to the previous Future War Cult episode, uh, they should probably go do that before we they listen to this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, You don't want to jump into this one without hearing what we talked about before. So, And that one's actually titled Ghost Fragment Vex, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which was just my, when I set it up in draft was the title I just threw in there. I thought someone would change it, but it's good enough. <laughs> Stuck so with it. That's what it is. Stuck with it. And then we have, hey, hey, gab, hey, gabble, oh. gabble. What? <laughs> you told me to read what was there. Somebody wrote that. <laughs> gabble ratchet. What's going on, uh, man? Not too much. Not too much. I won't spoil Game of Thrones for you. You kind of almost did. No, I just uh, stabbed in the stomach. Don't die. <laughs> 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 Man. Well, you know, you do sound really good this no, week, so I'll we, forgive you. We agreed we weren't going to do this every week. Who agreed? You I sound exactly the same yeah, as the last two weeks. I don't agree ever to anything, I don't think. Let's just agree to disagree. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, what do we got? We have uh, a couple little thanks and announcements. Um, so, we learned more about our t-shirt campaign, and apparently the way that Represent works, it's not quite like Teespring. Uh, the shirts are pretty much always for sale, so if you want one, go find it, and as soon as you buy it, it someone buys one, it like restarts the campaign. So, uh, so, if you feel like you missed out before and you've asked us, oh, when are you going to sell your shirts again? Anytime, apparently, so go get them. I, I'm actually going to have to go order mine because I forgot last time. So, yeah, 
I'm, I'm bad. Uh, I should definitely have a shirt. Um, and you know what else I've, I've realized the past few episodes, I've been very bad and, and laxed in my uh, telling everybody where they can find us just because I feel like people should know by now. But if you're a new listener, sorry about that. Uh, we are on Twitter at Stories, and we also have an email address, and it is DestinyGhostStories at gmail.com. You can email us any questions, comments, uh, if you are interested in joining our fan chat, you can do that. We've had a lot of a lot of uh, new recruits as of late, and so it's getting fun. Uh, but yeah, it, that that's still a thing. You can still join. How do they join? Uh, that's usually the question. They email us and say, "Let me in." Oh, and I'll say okay, and then I'll invite them, and that's pretty much it. Unless we have we don't have like an application to fill out or anything, right? Well, I mean, they have to pledge loyalty to Future War Cult. Whoa, that's, not gonna <laughs> that's getting cut. That, I'm editing that out for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, you can email us. Uh, we're on Facebook. You can search for us, uh, Destiny Ghost Stories. Um, the Teespring campaign, just in case I didn't mention it, because I'm pretty sure I didn't. You can go to represent.com slash store slash laughing. You said the Teespring campaign. <laughs> Oh my god, I did. Man, I hate this. I'm so tired. Represent.com slash store slash Dego stories. Not Teespring. Um, oh, and one other thing. We are on Podbean and iTunes. And we've still been getting a lot of, of feedback on iTunes, which is amazing. Uh, if you're listening to us through iTunes or Podbean or anywhere else... Give us some love. Go out there and leave us a comment or, or anything. Just uh, it, It's great to see that stuff, and it's an easy place to find feedback. And it also helps uh, increase where we lie in the grand scheme of, I guess, rankings on iTunes, and it helps get us up there where people can find us easier. A lot of people... I'm still hearing a lot that people are finding us by accident. And... While that's good, I'm glad people find us. It it kind of makes me sad that there's not a better way to get the word out. So uh, if you can leave us a, a comment there or on Podbean or anywhere else you, you want, that would also help. So we appreciate it. Um, let's get this thing going. What do we got first? Uh, some ignored lore? Yes. <clears throat> well, the original ignored lore that Dragon had put in here was... Things that we had devoted an entire episode to, <laughs> thereby, <laughs> thereby, quite literally, not ignored. Uh, so this is a, this is an interesting piece. I I mean I just grabbed this because I thought it was particularly interesting. Uh, I didn't really run it by anybody, so I'm not sure if you guys have looked over it, but here it is. So this is the zero A zero X night mask. Uh, it has a vanilla version, it has a 1.1 version, and a 1.2 version. The description is Crucible Variant Custom Sensorium by the Buffalo Soldat Working Group. Uh, it's uncommon hunter-only chest armor. Uh, there's no other pieces to the set. It's just body armor, as far as I was able to find. Uh, what's interesting about it is that Soldat means soldier in a bunch of different languages, including Russian, German, Norwegian, Swedish. Maybe we can get Kex to confirm that. Uh, so in the description, it's buffalo underscore soldat, 
which literally translates into Buffalo Soldier. Uh, and if you are American uh, from North America, you probably have an idea about who the Buffalo Soldiers were. And if you're not, let's talk about who they were. <laughs> uh, they were essentially members of the 9th and 10th Cavalry Cavalry Regiment in the late 1800s in America. Uh, and they were basically rangers for the most part. Uh predominantly and nearly completely African-American. Uh, so and there's a really cool story here that outlines uh, where the name came from or where the name is believed to have come from. Uh, and it's pretty hardcore. <laughs> uh, so as it stands now, the term is still used today, uh, and it means army units who trace their lineage directly back to those 9th and 10th Cavalry units uh, but let's talk about this guy, Private Randall, who is part of the, what's believed to be the origin story of the uh, the Buffalo Soldiers. Uh, and I just wanted, I hesitated putting this in here because this deals with some pretty topical issues. Uh, so I consulted some folks who are closer to this than I am. Uh, and pretty much the roundabout answer I always got was, this is the history of America, so it's worth talking about. Uh, but the short story here is, uh, in September of 1867, a private named John Randall of Troop G, the 10th Cavalry Regiment, <laughs> was assigned to escort two civilians uh, on a hunting trip in the West. Uh, the hunters, as it's written, became the hunted when they were attacked by a band of 70 Cheyenne warriors. Uh, the two civilians were killed, uh, and Randall's horse was also killed. But Randall himself managed to hold off 70 Cheyenne warriors with just his cavalry pistol and 17 rounds of ammunition <laughs> until help arrived. Uh, he ended up killing 13 of those Cheyenne warriors. He himself was shot and stabbed or hit with arrows or lances or whatever 11 times. Uh, but ended up making a full recovery. <laughs> so, uh, and as this legend goes, the Cheyenne quickly spread word of this new type of soldier, one who had fought like a cornered buffalo, who, like the buffalo, had suffered wound after wound and yet not died. Then the last part of this buffalo soldier name uh, comes from Native Americans who had never really encountered African Americans before, and felt that their hair was very similar to the coarse, rough hide of a buffalo. Uh, and then in the notes here, I put that this guy, this guy Randall's, he's the very first Randall to Randall. <laughs> That's, <my laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, but this is like this is one of those cool sort of Western stories that is really at the the heart of these stories from the American West that sort of defined this country during the time. There's there's uh, also a uh, pretty amazing song by Bob Marley true. that is totally dedicated to that, and it's called Buffalo Soldier. So it's worth it's worth a listen. It's a it's a pretty deep song. Bob Marley had some pretty deep lyrics. Uh, if you if people didn't know. So and what's interesting is in the description of the armor, it says that. Uh, Buffalo Soldat is a working group, so 
it's kind of cool to think about the idea that there may be a group of hunters somewhere in in our current timeline in Destiny who are still willing to trace their lineage back. I mean, that's a lot of history to go back to, considering the amount of history that's been lost. Uh, back to these buffalo soldiers. So, if you ever if you ever come across somebody wearing the zero uh, a zero x night mask armor, they, they could very well be part of this uh, future buffalo soldiers group. <laughs> so there you go. There's Pretty some cool. American American history in your destiny. Awesome. That is that is neat. I love when they. Uh, some of the ways they tie stuff in is just amazing, and and I love hearing about it. Well, I'm so. glad we got some culture after all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's get started with Future War Cult. Um, we left off last week uh, playing you the Ghost Fragment Vex 5 card that was recorded by Sherbert, Sherbert Pop. And we are going to play some of those clips uh, broken down by the, uh, by the different, what are those called? The different records. The records and And then we're going to talk about them. Similar to what you might have heard when we did uh, did the Ghost Fragment Vex 4. Because that was a long one. We broke it down and talked about it in between. Uh, so we're going to do that again right now. So let's start off with Record Zero, Chasm Zero. Record Zero, Chasm Zero. My love, I've opened this log as an apology. As a scientist, I believe in record-keeping. I believe in protocols, peer review and ethical conduct. I believe in the importance of disbelief. You know, let's run that one more time. What I'm doing here in Lahasa isn't science. It's unethical, secret and shameful. And after what happened in Ishtar, dearest Chema, I know you'd be furious with me for getting involved. Forty years isn't far enough to forget a day like that. But I believe it's important. The least I can do is keep a few notes for you. Okay, so that was Ghost Fragment Vex 5, Record Zero, Chasm Zero. Uh, It opens with Maya uh, talking to someone, and we know from, from the other Ghost Fragment Vex cards that it's most likely Shioma, who is her wife uh and she just kind of of tells why she's keeping this this these records right yes yeah, like she's, yeah. she's keeping a journal at this point and we definitely know it's Chioma because she says Chioma like two sentences later yeah. <laughs> all right oh yeah my dears <laughs> um but it's, i mean this is important uh because we'll find this record number dash chasm number all over the place in Destiny. It's yeah. everywhere. Uh, and this is the very first one. And now we know that regardless of who's keeping this record now, it was Maya who started it. Right. And so so she talks about, you know, uh, her being a scientist and she believes in record-keeping protocols, uh, ethical conduct, which that one kind of bothers me because a few of the lines from the earlier cards, her ethical conduct seemed a little... Well, I guess it wasn't her ethics. I guess it was her professional conduct was a little off the way she talked to and, and carried on with Chioma, you know, the whole desk scene. 
<laughs> but uh, but regardless, um, she does make mention of. She says, "What am I doing here in Lhasa?" Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Yeah. Lhasa, or what I'm doing here in in Lhasa isn't science. So, what is Lhasa? Where's Lhasa? Lhasa is the second most populous city uh, in Tibet, for the most part. Oh, so it's a, uh, at, it's a real place. After, it's a real place. Uh, and this is important because it gives us an origin point, kind of. Uh, so later on, there's mentions of, you know, exploring and searching for the device and things of that nature. And we'll get to the device in a little bit. Uh, but it looks like it's all starting right here, right here in Lhasa. Uh, it's the basically the religious and administrative capital of Tibet, and it has been for a really, really long time. Uh, and it's hugely important to Tibetan Buddhists because of the number of palaces and temples that are there. Uh, so it really is a an amazing religious center. Got it. And... Oh. And, well, I mean, this is going to come up again. Like, we'll we'll get we'll bring this up again later. But it's important to remember that, yeah. So, what she's doing, this unethical, secret, shameful thing, what she's gotten herself involved in, uh, is happening in like one of the most spiritually significant areas of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that's <laughs> spoils for later. Spoilers for later, I guess. It isn't science because it is essentially religion. <laughs> Yeah, but they'll get into that later. So, and she also mentions that that forty years isn't far enough to forget a day like that, and she refers back to what they did at Ishtar. So yeah. back, I assume to to the specimen twelve experimentation. Um, so she's been away from from that. So this is this is obviously in the future after that all happened by about forty years. So yeah, all right, um, and she's happy to be keeping some notes. And now she's going to record her second entry. So let's hear. Well, oh, go ahead. The only other thing that's interesting, I think, about this card is that it says 40 years isn't enough to forget a day like that. And that sentence seems to imply that something terrible happened. But yeah, when we. the same thing. It's like when we read those cards, it's like they kind of had some fears of what could happen. But I don't remember anything extremely. Well, but like that we know because I mean, Vex Vex Four, you know, literally ends with two hundred and twenty-seven of them shaking hands, smiling, making ready to explore. Except for for Dwayne, <laughs> all his guys were waving goodbye and saying "see you later" <laughs> or not. And yet, when Maya recalls it here, it seems like it's it's something she's trying to forget. Well, I think that. Um First of all, do we think the events of Vex 1 through 4 all happened in a single day? Right, that's what I was thinking. I was going to ask that. Because that would be a crazy day, and so I could imagine not forgetting about yeah. that 40 years later. <laughs> I guess that's that's quite possible. Yeah, that, that would be a full day. So, All right. Well, we ready to, to move ahead? Yes, now let's move ahead. All right, so here we go. Record zero. Chasm zero or one, <laughs> one record <laughs> record zero. Chasm one. Record zero. Chasm zero one. Trial one. Subject one. 
It was an act of stupid loneliness. I used the device on myself because I... I missed you. We hadn't been apart for more than a year since we met. I'm not a very good wife, am I? You write me every week, even with all Hyperion's work and all Hyperion's distance keeping you from me. And I act like it's not enough. We built the device and mimicry of the Vex gateway systems from Ishtar. An observatory, yes, but I think of it as a mind ship, capable of displacing its payload across space and time. The lab is cold and isolated. We are quarantined from the world, physically and mentally. We can't send messages out. If we breach the Vex manifolds, even our words might transmit contagion. One night last month I missed you and so I... I thought that I could look inside the device and find one of the other Chirimas. I thought I could call out to one of the forks we sent out there to explore. I just wanted to send my love. Alright, that was uh, Record Zero Chasm 1. And this is the first trial on the first subject uh, that she's recording. Um, and it was her. And it was her. Yeah, yeah, because she says it was an act of stupid loneliness, and she used the device on herself. So when she says she used the device, is this the same device? This is, this is the, the device. <laughs> capital D device. Yeah, this is the cap, capital D device. This is going to come back a lot as we talk more and more about future war cult. All right. Uh, do we think that... It's just a, it's an act of stupid loneliness. I use the device on myself. It's decidedly non-scientific. I think in the history of all science fiction, anytime a scientist decides that they should be their own test subject, things always go <laughs> sideways very quickly. Yeah, well, uh, I think, you know, just that line, it shows that this wasn't, you know, even though she labeled herself as subject one, in, you know, as trial one, it, I didn't see this as an act of science as much as, you know, like she says, I missed you. You know, that's why she did it. Well, do we think this is directly relating to the previous Chasm entry, which is, it's not science. <laughs> it isn't yeah. science. It's unethical. It's secret. Oh, and it's yeah. shameful. Yeah. Like, maybe is she talking about herself Absolutely, there? I would think. Well, she... I thought she said what we're doing here. Yeah, she's not the only person. It's no, it says what, she says what, what I'm, I'm doing, doing here in Lahasa isn't science. Okay, all right, yeah. But she... Well, that, oh. that begs a whole other question. Is she part of a research team out in Lahasa, or is this just Maya herself? Yeah, I don't think we really know. She doesn't... I don't think she mentions any other scientists. Well, I think later she car. does say we... Uh, later in the next... Or in this one, she says we are quarantined from the world. She, yeah, she says we a bunch of times in, in later entries. Okay. And this one, though, all this right, is all she, about her, because she wasn't even trying to learn anything here. She was literally just trying to talk to Chioma. Yeah. Yeah, since, oh, it's been a year now that they've been apart. Um, you know, she mentions not being a very good wife. Um, you know how Chioma writes her every week, 
even with all uh, all of her work on well, that, all of Hyperion's work. It's not that it's been a year that since they've been apart. It's that since they have since, since they, they had met, they had never that. been apart for more than a year. Okay, yeah, I read that. One. Yeah, and it's been well. And yeah, we, we don't, don't know, know if yeah. they've seen each other in that forty years that was mentioned earlier. So, so we don't really know how long they've been apart. Right. But, yeah. Right. But yeah, you mentioned, you know, even with all Hyperion's work and all Hyperion's distance keeping you from me. Um, so we found a few references to Hyperion, and I think Gavel found the first one. What was what was that one? I don't know. Where'd the notes go? Good Lord. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I think you said uh, Hyperion is, is one of the, is the name ah, of there one we of go. the moons yeah. orbiting Saturn, Absolutely. right? Yep. Yeah, so... so we don't know for sure, but if if that's the case, is this research facility on a moon orbiting Saturn? Don't know. Um, is it? Uh, I think. What did you say there, Chad? Or Chad, <laughs> Dragon? Um, yeah, I just I had a question. I'm not uh, really familiar with a lot of uh, Bray's work, but I know he had a, a lab in on Mars. Was kind of like that main facility that we know of. Like, is there any reference to him doing anything on Saturn or the moons of Saturn that we know of? Well, I mean, there's so much in the concept art that talks about moons of Jupiter and mm-hmm. moons of Saturn and the deep stone crypt and things like that. Uh, we've never got confirmation where, like, we've sort of talked about previously, oh, there, you know, maybe there's a research station on Titan, maybe there's a research station on EO. Okay, like we did nothing confirmed. We don't really know. Really. Yeah, but there's no confirmed because it's all just concept art. Yeah. So there very well could be uh, something on Hyperion. Now, something else that, that I found uh, that I thought was kind of cool was in Greek mythology, uh, Hyperion is one of 12 Titan children from Gaia and Uranus, uh, the earth and sky in Greek mythology. Um, and Hyperion was, this is, I, I just threw this in there cause I thought it was kind of interesting that Hyperion was also the father of Helios, which is the sun, Selene, the moon and Eos, the dawn. Um, but, but after, you know, seeing the, the moon reference and when I read, when I read this, even with all Hyperion's work kind of implying like the work of Hyperion, you know, could Hyperion be the name of a different group that she was working with or working for? Yeah, it almost sounds like or she might mean that word. If she uses it twice, but she might mean it in two different ways. I mean, she could be working for a right. group that's called that, but also is on the moon. So she could be re- referencing two yeah. different things. Yeah, so that's, so it's a little confusing. I mean, we don't know for sure, but, but definitely uh, good to know that, that Hyperion is a place or a thing that... that this is all taking place at so it's also i guess it's also worth mentioning that uh dan simmons wrote a series of books <laughs> called the oh, hyperion yeah, yeah. cantos and there's a lot of there's a lot of themes in those books that are kind of similar to some of the stuff that appears in destiny so yes. i mean in the hyperion books there's like humans are brought back from the dead over and over by <laughs> a large artificial construct that merges with their bodies and there's a, a computer collective that's divided on the nature of God and the questions of existence, and then they create portals that allow travel over just like time and impossible distances. So there's, there's plenty of 
vexy stuff in the Hyperion books. When I, w- when I was looking up that stuff about Hyperion and Greek mythology, something else that popped out of me, which was, again, nothing to do with this, but it was kind of funny. Uh, it says, there is little to no reference to Hyperion during the Titanomachy. And we know that word from the Books of Sorrow. Book, yeah, Books of Sorrow. No, Book no, of those Sor- are from yeah. Rasputin. Is it? Yeah. The tit- oh, it yep. is, it is. It is from Rasputin, that's right. But yeah, so there's... It, it's kind of, I don't know, it's that, that word. I think I learned that word during the Rasputin <laughs> episode because I didn't, I didn't know it. Um, but, yeah, so, all right, what, what happens next? We built the device in mimicry of the Vex gateway systems from Ishtar. So, that's huge. Yeah, that is, really yeah. So, whatever they did at Ishtar, they learned enough about the Vex gate system to build something that can mimic its abilities that's that's yeah that's pretty crazy (laughs) yep and even here we get kind of you know a brief explanation of what even the vex gateway systems they are and what the device is you know it's a you know she says she thinks of it as a mind ship capable of displacing its payload across space and time yeah Uh, so this is so this is important as we move forward, because we're talking about a lot of different kinds of things, this is directly from Maya, uh, this idea of a mind ship. So, again, it's worth saying, they didn't build, like, a DeLorean time machine. Mm. Uh, they didn't build the phone booth from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Dude. Uh, what, <laughs> what they built doesn't physically send anybody back into time. Because uh, we're going to talk a lot about you know, quantum states, divergent pathways, things like that. Don't think of it as like, you know, tropey science fiction time travel. That's not what this is. Right, but it might actually be just as effective as that for the Vex, given their nature. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not yeah. what the device is. I was interested in, in you know, they how they learned enough about the Vex gateway systems to be able to build this thing, you know, did each one of those 227 copies come back with information that kind of helped to, to, you know, build this thing or to understand it. So that was, that was always my thing is when I read this was, you know, they built this, this crazy device and how did they really gather that knowledge? You don't, I mean, I can't imagine that just the six scientists that studied that did it. But if 227 of them were in there, and they were... Six scientists. Four. Damn, man, math is stupid. You're looking at the fire team list. I was. I did. I just joined back in. (laughs) So, but yeah, I I always wondered how, you know, I I assume that, that with that kind of brain power, you know, it, it probably wasn't nearly as, as difficult as it probably seems so all right to move on um she talks a bit about uh about the lab and and kind of how it is and we're quarantined from the world now right there when she says the world you know that leads me even more to the whole you know might not be on the moon because would you really say you're quarantined from the world if you're out on the moon a moon of saturn well, she here is on is in she's Tibet. In, yeah, she's in oh Tibet with a yeah. Well, Hyoma that's on the moon. A moon. 
A moon. A Poss- possibly D moon. Yeah, sorry. That's on. <laughs> right. That's on. At a different location. That's possibly a moon of Saturn. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but Maya is still in in Lhasa. In Lhasa. Tibet. Yeah. But that's still, that's still a huge thing. I mean, she went from the Ishtar Research Laboratory on Venus mm-hmm. all the way back to Earth in Lhasa. Like, that's, you know, Ishtar was like the place to be if you're a scientist. So to be relocated out here uh, makes me, again, they said they're not doing science, but this seems like something even more mm-hmm. secretive than even that. Yeah. And it's not like you join another team of scientists. It's there's a small group of people who are devoted to doing something far more, maybe not smiled upon research. Well, well, yeah. I mean, the next thing she says is, "If we breach the Vex manifolds, and what what is that? You know, I mean, are they like because of the device they they can't reach out for?" I mean, because, like she said, their their words might transmit contagion because they're really being inside the device. They're in the Vex network. Well, and we'll get to this after the next reading, but, I mean, they are working, or she is, or however many people are here are working for a war mind. Okay. And it's on Earth, so. Well, so do we, um, you know, other than knowing, you know, we... Nick, do we have any time other than 40 years after, like, of what has happened as far as, like, like, this is still golden age, pre-collapse, everything like that? Yeah, but nothing more specific than that. Okay. And then drop you uh, in the next part here where uh, Maya says that she wanted to call out to to one of the one of Chioma's forks. Um, you have something. Well, right. She says, even our words might transmit contagion. But then she says, I thought I could call out to one of the forks that we sent out to <laughs> This might be bad, but I did it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, so then I start to wonder, like, is that, is that the breach? Did she do that? She went in and said, you know, you know, Kioma and just yelled across the, uh, the description I have. <laughs> uh so I might as well just put this out there. I'm trying to think of a good metaphor for describing the device and what it does and things like that. Uh, as it sort of relates to records and chasms. Uh, and I was thinking about this the other day. Basically, imagine uh, a superhighway with an infinite number of lanes, right? Uh, and then you are stuck in your lane. And that's that's the way you go. Like, that's the direction you go in. Uh the device essentially allows you to temporarily change lanes. Each lane represents a, you know, a thread of space-time, a, a different, not different necessary reality, uh, but like a, a parallel timeline. Different, different lanes have whatever, different potholes in them, so, uh, and different cars on them. So the device lets you change lanes. And so this is what I imagine is Maya using the device to swerve across lanes in the superhighway with her head out the sunroof yelling for Kioma, hoping she's in one of the other cars. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's like the device is the opposite of a conflux. Yes, yes. Uh, and then, just because I'm going to mention it here because we're running, then if you imagine that somebody builds an infinitely wide toll booth <laughs> across the infinitely wide highway 
Atheon is the toll man, uh, and the toll booth is the vault of glass. <laughs> and so he he controls what what gets past that. Till we killed him, and that's the whole plot. <laughs> Until we killed him, and now Twice. it's it's toll free driving the whole way. So, and she says, "I just wanted to send my love." This is important. This line right here, I just want to send my love. This is important, but it's also important given the author of this card, uh, who is the one and only Seth Dickinson. We learned in the Books of Sorrow that even Oryx, for like all his godly power and the infinite number of things that he has seen, he's still subject to sort of these raw human condi- not human condition is the word I'm going to use but doesn't really apply to the proto hive but these sort of like raw inter- internal emotions oryx is you know he's communed with the deep he has this d- infinite godly power he's slaughtered bajillions of things and has an armada that's nearly as infinitely big uh but man he's mad when we kill his kid <laughs> and it's like it's like that. It's like a little emotional thing that drives your action rather than the entire greater rational universe. So we have the same thing here. We have Maya, who's a dedicated scientist, who's obviously a master in her field, who is studying amazing like alien technologies and races, like. She, she had she was part of a research collective on Venus. Like you think of all these insane things that she's done. But ultimately all she wanted to do was send her love to Kioma. Any Kioma that she knows is out there. Uh, and I think that's a very Seth thing. Like he's very good at at understanding that sometimes it's those little those little things uh, that will drive a person to to do something that seems like it's this one little thing I wanted to do, it drives this this massive storyline, right? That everything we're about to read and everything we're about to talk about going forward comes from Maya just wanting to send, you know, her love to Kiyoma. So, yeah. That brings us to the next record. Or next chasm. chasm. You can say it. I'm going to mess up the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here is a record zero, Chasm 2. Record zero, Chasm zero 02. Zakarik Gilmanovich Bekterev. May he rest in peace. When our probes continued to fail, when my report remained our only positive finding, he volunteered to use the device. One minute of subjective experience inside. We took precautions. They worked. Bekterev's experience left no physical damage. After we extracted him, he said that he felt determined. I asked him what he meant, and he said that he meant it. He had been determined. He could feel all his choices set out before him like a railroad. Deviation was impossible. He died by suicide. I wonder if he was trying to make a point. Okay, that was Record Zero Chasm 2. Man, I almost said zero again. <laughs> Ugh. It's okay, just going back in time. Um, 
Yeah, you really want to keep this in the beginning, huh? I know. <laughs> he wants to be up uh, all night. <laughs> uh, so we are going to learn about one of the uh, the subjects that goes into the device. Yeah, so and, you know, I guess this would be subject two, as far as as far as we know. Uh, Zacharik Gomanovich Bekterev. Uh, may he rest in peace. So who is that guy? I I think uh, Gavel found some well, yeah. interesting info about. We don't know who that guy is with the same last name. <laughs> right. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, Vladimir Mikhailovich Bekterev. Maybe that was anywhere close to right. Uh, was a Russian neurologist and father of objective psychology. So it's kind of a cool reference there. I I guess maybe mm-hmm. it's a reference. Maybe it's random. I don't know. Still, though, he was someone somewhat famous, at least someone with the with the same last name, and and we know that Bungie pulls that. Yeah, stuff, well, so. and 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 his work did involve the brain uh, and mm-hmm. memories, so uh, it it feels like something that was probably intentional. Right. So it, this is kind of kind of cool because we learn a little bit more about the process and. Uh, it said that one minute of subjective experience inside. So does that mean that he was inside the device for only one minute? Yeah. To us, to to Maya, as an observer outside right, the right. device, he was yeah. he was in for one minute of her time. Yeah, and they took precautions, and when I guess he was done, it said that uh, it no left no physical, physical damage. damage. Right, right, yeah. but. Uh, well, I think it's interesting too. Even in the beginning, you know, she even comments, you know, their probes failed, and her report was the only positive finding. And are we? Is that report trial one where she called out? Is that what we're thinking? Maybe. But you know, basically, every not really a lot of positive experiences so far with this device, and Zachary volunteers. You know, I thought that was interesting. And then after he was pulled out of the device, uh, he said that he felt determined. And when she asked what that meant, he he said that he had been determined. He could feel all his choices set out before him like a railroad. Deviation was impossible. And this part really caught my eye, or it was, was amazing to me, because he says, or she says, he died by suicide. I wonder if he was trying to make a point. So... To me, I mean, if he says that deviation is impossible and him making a point by uh, committing suicide, if that was something that the Vex couldn't simulate or couldn't predict would happen, like that wasn't that, like, it's not an option there, you know, it's not something that, that someone can do or, or they don't realize that someone can do that. Does that make sense at all? What I said? Or just of the infinite lanes on this highway that he happened to visit, one of them was not the one where he then immediately killed himself. So he didn't realize that was a possibility. Yeah, it could have just been that he, he you know, it was almost, he, it was the information was almost an overload for him where he couldn't process exactly what he was seeing to the point where, like, maybe he sees this, you know, other lane in the highway and he interprets it of this 
exact what he has to do for the rest of his life which is terrible right like he basically felt right. like all of his free will had just been removed and he did the only thing mm-hmm. he possibly could to reclaim it yeah that's what that's exactly how i read this too mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but, you yeah see that, that's his only you see control. that in like other like movies and books and things like that or like someone who they feel trapped or you know locked up like they're they only escape because they feel in control a lot of times is by taking their own life. Like that's their yeah. method of escaping the, the, the imprisonment, being trapped, whatever it is. Although I do like the idea of, well, I guess not. I was going to say, I like the idea that the Vex can't necessarily simulate a human taking their own life because it's like arguably like it's completely irrational mm-hmm. uh but then in the vault there's those the stupid legions that blow up on you so <laughs> <laughs> i think they understand it very well <laughs> yeah maybe they are a uh, <laughs> came after this, this experience and they're like oh wait we need to uh consider that in our simulations <laughs> <laughs> the templars legions learned that from this guy <laughs> And those stupid Gorgon things that yep. blow up on you. Supplicants. All right. Yeah. Supplicants, yeah. All right, that brings us to Record Zero, Chasm 3. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Record Zero, Chasm Zero 3. We've decided not to abort. It's insane, isn't it? There are pressures on us I can't tell you about until I see you again. The purpose of the system is intelligence, you see. It's stenciled right on the hull, SXISR, special asset. We would very much like to make it work reliably. Our supervisory warm mind has devised a drug it says will protect and prepare us. I am beginning to wonder if we were wrong about the merchant and the alchemist, or if that explanation in time was incomplete. Okay, we're back, and what we just heard was uh, kind of cool. It starts off with, uh, we've decided not to abort. It's insane, isn't it? And so, essentially, you know, even though this, this last subject committed suicide, they are going to keep pressing on, and uh, she says, they are pressuring us. Or, wait, there are pressures on us. So, what are these pressures? Well, she can't tell you till she sees you in person. Got to imagine it's whoever they're working for. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine that. You know, the next line, we. Uh, yeah, we. Or the next couple lines, we learn that there's a, a supervisory war mind. That's kind of working with them. Uh, purpose of the system is intelligence. Um, and I, I kind of commented that you know there are pressures on us. And, you know they're not. You know, I don't know. We don't know what their situation exactly was on Ishtar, but it kind of seemed like they had a little bit of uh, like freedom, kind of a little bit of control to, you know, act. Not maybe not act freely, but you know, they seemed free to take the steps necessary to, you know, work with the situation. But here, it definitely seems like there's someone or something that's in control. Well, we made the comment in the last episode that. You know, it seemed like she was the one in charge. So mm-hmm. obviously now she's not. If if mm-hmm. she if she was before, then she's not now. 
So, and if she's on Earth, <clears throat> that means a supervisory war mind has got to be Rasputin, since he was the war mind of Earth. <laughs> so, but so this begs the question: uh, in the earlier cards, when they had a war mind help them break the simulation, was that also Rasputin, or did that war mind communicate the information that it received? You know, rescuing these folks, did it communicate it back to Rasputin, and now? sort of Rasputin informs who he needs to and says, I need these people back here because this is something I want to work on. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a little hint here that about it being Rasputin as well, isn't there? Gapple? I think you need the note on this one. Oh, man, I was totally just looking up something else. Uh, but yeah, it's the, uh, <laughs> um, the everybody's cursor is there, and I literally can't read it. The SXISR <laughs> designation, special asset that... We saw we saw previously in Ghost Fragment Darkness, which we is absolutely attributed to Rasputin. Yep. So, so then on the next line, it's you know it says you know we would very much like to make it work reliably. So is there, are they saying is, is Rasputin not working reliably? Reliably, or are they wanting is Rasputin's goal there to make the device? Well, work so I th- I, th- I think I think we this is a a goal we've already talked about in the Rasputin episodes in Rasputin 4 help me be victorious tell me your secret tell me how to step yeah how to step that is exactly what this device is potentially trying to do so but this sets up an amazing timeline so this is Rasputin in the golden age trying to create a device with a group of scientists based on the Vex gate network to explore alternate timelines. So I posited that Rasputin sort of addressing the exo stranger and wanting to learn how to step was one of the final stages of Rasputin's rampancy. Uh, Cause he's looking to expand beyond just what he is mm-hmm. now. But, if this all started way back in the golden age, it could mean that Rasputin has been rampant for way longer <laughs> or in a, a more advanced stage of rampancy for much longer than we could have anticipated. Yeah. Uh, but this also, yeah, this sets up, that's like, this is an amazing callback that Rasputin has been trying to do this since the golden age. And it's also interesting that in that previous card, you know, Rasputin mentions that the Exo Stranger is not one of his, uh, which we believe to mean Exo. Right. Maybe it means it's not one of his scientists that he worked Maybe, with. Yeah, one well, of his scientists. that would scientists. debunk everyone's favorite theory about who the Exo Stranger is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So, so now I feel even, even dumber because I had this comment on here before, kind of with this idea of like, with this comment here, with us knowing it's Rasputin, and then try making it work reliably, I kind of you know theorized. You know, does maybe Rasputin had work, you know, worked on the device and and kind of vice learned from the device and vice versa, and maybe that's what you know later at the time when that during the collapse almost makes Rasputin as powerful as he was to kind of combat either combat the traveler or combat the darkness in whatever ways that possible but then i felt it was kind of so outlandish and dumb i just deleted it but maybe there were <laughs> maybe there might be some little ties in there after all so here they mention 
or, or she mentions, you know, I am beginning to wonder if we were wrong about the merchant and the alchemist. Uh, or, or if that explanation explanation of time was incomplete. So what is what is she meaning here, that question? Well, the, the merchant and the alchemist talks about how you can't go back into the past and change, have, have a significant effect on, on time. It's the, the time is a river analogy that we talked about in the last episode, where you can throw a rock and make a ripple, but you can't change the flow of the river. So now she's yes. suggesting maybe they were wrong. But she doesn't give us any real explanation for why she's thinking that. Or that their explanation of time uh, right. was incomplete. So is she thinking more along the lines of like, you know, a butterfly effect type of deal where like yeah. you might throw where that ripple might have a much bigger effect on time or on other I don't know. Just, I mean, yeah. think. I think it's an odd thought just because, I mean, everything we know about the, vi the device is that it basically projects your mind forward. And The Merchant of the Alchemist is about a man physically transporting himself back in time. So, I don't know how the two necessarily okay. connect there, but I'm not a Golden Age scientist either, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just, I think kind of the important thing is readings you are. she's kind of just doubting a lot of lot of stuff and you know she's not doesn't seem like she's comfortable with her work well there. right i mean it's unethical it's wrong it's not science yeah, exactly definitely you know, maybe now she's falls in line with with the this is not science it's on yeah yeah it's it's right up that yeah. alley for sure <laughs> mm -hmm. and so then that brings us to uh record zero chasm nine so you skip a few here. Record zero, chasm zero nine. Kind Lakfa. He meditated before he went in. Nothing but deja vu and three seconds of screams. The screaming passed and he remembers nothing. The deja vu hasn't. He says it's getting better. He feels that we've had this conversation only ten times before, not a thousand. I've suggested that we attempt mind-forking. We need more sane people to work with. Please forgive me, my love. We are all growing superstitious. The behaviour of the device is inconsistent, impossible to replicate. We turn to ritual behaviour to appease it. Alright, so now we have the story of Kind Lakfa. Who is this? Who is this person? Who is he? What a good question. Well, yeah, okay. So I guess we don't know who he is exactly, um, but we know that uh, he meditated before he went in, and uh, he said uh, nothing or nothing but deja vu and three seconds of screams. The screaming passed, and he remembers nothing. The deja vu hasn't. So the deja vu hasn't passed? Is that what? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, he says it's getting better, and he, and he feels uh, he's only had this conversation ten times before and not a thousand. So I guess he just keeps re he's like stuck in a glitch where he just keeps kind of replaying the same thing over and <laughs> this over. This guy went on the device and had a bad time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. obviously the other guy who killed himself didn't have a great time. True. So, um, but... Uh, 
So, so Maya suggests we attempt mind forking. Um, and we need we need more sane people to work with. So, does that mean that I guess he's insane um, <laughs> after after going in? <laughs> apparently, yeah, obviously, right. Um, but yeah, so so mind forking. What do we what do we know about that process, or have we learned anything about that? Because I know we talked about the uh, the simulations forking right forking yeah well so this is this is the question right so we've jumped from chasm 3 to chasm 9 uh we're about to make another big jump coming up but it could be posited that like up to this point what they've been doing is the equivalent of throwing someone into a vex gate uh (laughs) and you just sort of like end up nowhere, right? As you fall out of the sky onto the superhighway. <laughs> You'd have no idea what was going on. There'd be cars rushing past you, you know, in a million different instances. You, It would be a waking nightmare. <laughs> Ruined, um, even. Yeah. So, I wonder if this mind-forking thing is instead of saying, hey, let's del- just toss somebody into the gate, uh, mind forking is saying let's take one person and send them to a very specific lane for the most part like let's fork them off our current timeline into a very specific other timeline rather than just dumping them into the portal that leads to them Mm. so it's the idea of you know you know instead of just grabbing and tossing them in uh give them a very deliberate destination and that may be less stressful on the individuals. See, I read that totally differently. I read that as almost uh, mind forking more like you would think of a project fork in, in software development where they were actually, she wanted to attempt copying someone's mind, uh, getting back to the prototype exo idea that we sort of talked about last time where she's trying to create more, more sane people to work with by, by duplicating people's minds <laughs> to send into the device. Yeah. That's why I had read it at first. And I don't know if that makes you question your picking that as well. Now Gabble too. <laughs> that's <laughs> but like, I read that. I kind of like, in a sense, I made read it as her thing. You know, I need to almost make more of the, sane people we have because we keep losing them so if we can get 10 more lakfas or we'll be good and this goes back to this also unethical thing right Mm -hmm. so it's like they they keep tossing people in here and they keep coming back in bananas and now she's talking about like copying them to continue the research it's like Mm -hmm. and this is especially relevant to maya where they were willing to treat copies, simulations of themselves as themselves. Mm-hmm. The simulation suffering is our suffering. Yeah. So and now who cares? Does she not? Yeah, yeah. Now who cares? Let's just keep making them and yeah. putting them through this. Like that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's she's fallen a long yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know she ends that paragraph with you know please forgive me my love. Yeah. You know she she knows she's doing. Yeah, I think she knows Chioma would just be Something. disgusted with that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know who knows if this is, you know, we don't know, you know, what exactly has happened, why she's working or in this spot. You, know, we don't know if maybe if she's just making these decisions, 
you know, I think part of it is because, you know, she's almost desperate. You know, she misses Kyoma, so she's making these choices kind of out of that, that emotion that you talked about earlier, Drop. But yeah. we don't know also, you know, the pressures. Who's pressuring her here? Who's forcing her? You know, is this, is she here by choice or is she kind of almost pushed or forced? Well, yeah, I mean, like if, if Rasputin was the war mind they reached out to, uh, did she then get pulled into this because Rasputin was like, oh, you worked on that? Well, I want to do this and you know all about the, va-, you know, I mean, did she get dragged yeah. into all this because of that? Right. Then we get the best line of all, though. Okay. Before we do, uh, I just want to point out that millions of years before this, Crota was flung into the Vex yeah. network, similar to how these people are, and he just ran rampage. <laughs> like, <laughs> he... he he crossed every possible timeline and became a demon <laughs> god in all of them. So, yeah. If, if we're if we're putting checkbox in the Crota category, so we'll get, give him that. Might have two, we'll give him that one. Might have two goals now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not a complete failure. You know, you know, a couple of like the the three seconds of screams. You know, the screaming. You know. The, you know, just given the origins of, of what we know the Vex, like they weren't always this warfaring race that we kind of know them of now. You know, they were builders, you know, architects type of type of species. You know, so and then so that line kind of, you know, you know, not knowing exactly what's going on in the different lanes or different dimensions, of course, but you know, who, who's to say that Blackfa didn't see Crota in this vex a million yeah, times i was just thinking i was just thinking the <laughs> yeah. same thing could you imagine you get flung into this device and then you and see like, this hive god <laughs> yeah ripping so everything apart at this point you have the war mind saying hey we know all about the vex don't worry about it the scientists are like we've encountered the vex before and we pretty much proved we're smarter than them don't worry about it and you're like oh maybe Maybe I will go into this thing. Mm-hmm. And they throw you in, and you open your eyes, and Crota's standing in front of you. And mm-hmm. He doesn't have ghosts to form into a sword, so he's just taking Vex's limbs and shaping it yeah. into a knife and piercing and you're like, everything. This is not what I signed up for. Yeah, I mean, yeah so one, one of the, the great minds, Scabble. Yeah, we are all growing superstitious. The behavior of the device is inconsistent, impossible to rec- replicate. We turn to ritual behavior to appease it. That is definitely not science being described right there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, it's got to be, and that's like the most frustrating thing. On a science front, that's the most frustrating thing for a scientist, right? Impossible to replicate any given result. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then the last part here, that is, that's brains jumping off the deep end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the manifesting religious tactics. Yeah. Yes. And uh, there's a, there's a line from a uh, ghost fragment Rasputin four. Um, find it exactly. So, but uh, he says, uh, "I just lost." Uh, no. Now upon my return, I see cults with rights of time. Yes. Yep. Yes. Now upon my return, I see cults with rights of time. Which is odd because he should have seen it here. <laughs> Well, well maybe says, not, though. So the, the, right before it was, I ruled an age of steel and fire. My rules were clean. So I kind of see that as maybe 
during the golden age and then now upon my return so maybe is this is now well, no, after yeah the yeah that's what i'm saying he's he's, he's speaking as with right now is when he's been reactivated or, or whatever we want to call it right um mm-hmm. so yeah maybe he just didn't see this ritualistic behavior quite yet it's not much of a supervisor then true <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was just superstitions to him he hadn't learned well yeah what is he hadn't learned what, everything from the device yet so. like what does rasputin though really so i mean you're in a uh sort of philosophical and religious mecca on earth you know prayer style behavior may not seem so out of place mm-hmm. so rasputin could have been like oh they're adopting the culture of the place that we're in rather than what's really happening is they're all losing their minds <laughs> uh and now worshiping the machine hoping to get something out of it <laughs> Yeah. So then we uh, we go from Chasm Nine to uh, Record Zero, Chasm Thirty One. Also, it's worth mentioning really quick that yeah. ritual behavior is symbolic of a cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Record Zero, Chasm Thirty One. Rajesh. When he reached a displacement of eight, he told us he was dead. I believed him. He was dead. He spoke to us. It was true. Whatever he saw, it was his own future. He's fine afterwards. When I look into his eyes, I wonder what came back wearing his skin. But that thought is unscientific. We speak of nothing but the device. We talk about it like a demigod. When I get out of here, I know the whole world will look like a fraying veil. I think it's clear that part of the problem is substrate. We need more than flesh and drug to survive this. Okay, and we're back with uh, the adventures of Rajesh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see how he fared. Um, so, oh yeah, this this one, one is creepy. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, talk about it. I <laughs> uh, just I mean, so he reached a displacement of eight and told us he was dead. Um, I believed him. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, isn't is, is this the first time that that she's talked about one of them? One of the other guys screamed. I was like, commu- was it the first time someone's communicated while still inside the device about what they saw? The rest of them seemed to be they went in, they came out, and then they talked about it. Whereas this guy's given a play-by-play, but the device is inconsistent, yeah. so. Yeah, like, like the screamed, but remembered right. nothing. And so this is the first time that, yeah, actually remembers. Yeah. So a displacement of a displacement is a, a, refers to how far out of place an object is. So whether that means uh, Raj was, was eight lanes out of, <laughs> out of place. Uh, yeah, <laughs> eight lanes <laughs> over. Well, that's the thing, right? So they said... So if we go back to the other theory of mind forking, that they're going to fork him in a very particular right, direction right. to a very particular place, well, they decided eight lanes over is where they're going to send this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and and it's like you can see in these records, and, and we'll, we'll see more as we go on. I hate that we keep saying that. That it's like, <laughs> as these experiments <laughs> go on, they, they're developing their own language for how to talk about what's going on, right? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. 
but we'll get to that next time. Yeah. Well, and then she mentions, you know, he spoke to us. It was true. Whatever he saw, it was his own future. So she makes it seem like he was dead. He knew he was dead. Like, yeah, almost going back to that, this to uh, Zacharek's dilemma, like just because it was in that lane, you know, does that necessarily mean that in his current lane or his current time that that's his future? Yeah, that's that's the question, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> is anything that they go forward and see believable, or is it all incredibly unlikely? It's just one potential out of an infinite number of potential futures. Yeah, but then it's then it gets really. This is kind of the creepy yeah. part. Yeah, <laughs> really creepy. It's like he's fine yeah. afterwards, so he's out of the machine. But when I look into his eyes, I wonder what came back wearing his skin. <laughs> but, but that thought is unscientific. I wonder if it asked for sugar um, and water. <laughs> sugar. <laughs> He's wearing an Edgar suit. More sugar. <laughs> <laughs> um, we speak yeah, of nothing but the device. We talk about it like a demigod. Um, when I get out of here, I know the whole world will look like a fraying veil. Uh, I mean, so... Essentially, what came back wasn't Rajesh anymore. He was he was changed. Um, and I guess when they talk about the device like a demigod, I mean, is that is that just the uh, like that's that ritual behavior? I don't know. Yeah. 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 But the, like it's the it's a god they created, right? <laughs> they built this thing. They did, but they have no I mean, idea what it's doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and so yeah, but the, the same way does any human have designs on what gods do? Well, yeah, yeah. So it's also worth noting that meanwhile, Rasputin is just watching all this happen. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like casually observing. <laughs> These scientists are losing their minds as they continue to put people into this weird device they built made out of Vex technology, lose their minds as well. It's interesting, too, because we know that part of the supervisory war minds, you know, what it did was created this drug to try to protect them while they're in the device. And so it's knowing Rasputin and knowing that, you know, whether he's already at the point where he's kind of working for himself or not, you know, how much of the, of him could be trusted this. Was he making a drug to protect them or was he giving them a drug to simulate his own questions or his own tests? If that makes any sense. Well, was he was he keeping yeah. them drugged to keep them coming? coming back to keep them from freaking out mm-hmm. and just running away <laughs> yeah yeah was this was this drug was he trying to keep them sort of in line like yeah well I'll just dope you up so you keep <laughs> doing this thing mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and tell you that it's for your first own one's free but everyone after that you gotta go in this device I made <laughs> I don't know well not even that even like oh you've built this thing but I am the war mind and I am 
smarter than you are by your own admission. Mm -hmm. uh, I saved your I have, life. I have created this drug. I promise it will protect you. Uh, what reason would you have to distrust the war mind, especially somebody like Maya, who had her life saved by the war mind? Mm -hmm. uh, but really, that yeah, that drug is just like, hey, I need I need to keep my test subjects alive as long as possible. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, then, you know, it's interesting because she comes to almost the same conclusion here that they. They come to this conclusion later on. We'll get to that later when we read the Ghost Fragment Future Warhold card. But they come to almost the same conclusion much later after the collapse. But so I don't know. Maybe this just this part was kind of lost or what. But she says, you know, it's clear part of the problem is substrate. We need more than flesh and drug to survive this. Yeah. So, so that brings us to our. Uh, yeah, so the substrate is just, you know, it's a substance or layer that underlies something um, or on which some process occurs. So. Yeah. So the problem, the problem with their inability to survive this thing is on a more base level than they're able to really deal mm -hmm. with. Uh, and that could just be like the simplicity of human consciousness can't handle this <laughs> the mind is too they can't handle the truth yeah yeah all right so that brings us to uh the last little excerpt of this card uh record zero chasm 52 record zero chasm 52 i heard you my love I was at six, oscillating on the event axis, coordinated with a known manifold. I heard you. You were talking to me. Not me, but another me. Another Maya Sundaresh. You said, My love, so many strange things have happened. And it's been so long. We've come so far. Do you ever want to go home? And I said, not me, but the other me, I said, my love, I am always home. I'm resigning, my love. I'm done with this work and I'm done with being apart from you. I'll see you again soon. I can't take this journal out with me, so I've left it for the others and asked them to continue the log. Maybe it'll become a tradition. The gospel of our little cult. <gasps> okay, that was Record Zero, Chasm 52. And... Maya has gone full crazy. Is she crazy, <laughs> though? <laughs> okay, um... And this is what I was talking about where, where I was, was talking about how they're inventing their own language, right? She was at six, oscillating on the event axis coordinated with a known manifold. I'm sure that all means, like, cool things. Well, so at right, six... A displacement of six. Me to believe that displacement mm -hmm. of six. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then, so oscillating on the event axis, right? So you have the... 
it's event here that's ambiguous. Right. Uh, you know, oscillating just means moving back and forth. You know, I think every everybody at some point grew up with an oscillating fan in their house. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Uh, on the event, so I mean, the the event axis is what like it is. It is the, here's what it sounds like to me is that she uh, it, to give it a visual uh, is that she's standing on the axis of this particular timeline, looking like basically looking to the left and right, mm-hmm. uh, with a like as you said a known manifold. Uh, so she picked a very specific location right. within the sixth displacement. Uh, how she's able to pinpoint a specific area so specifically, we don't really know, but we know somebody else who's able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, then she uh, she hears Yoma. Akioma. Says that uh, you were talking to me. Not me, but another me. Another Maya Sindarish. So we know at least more than 40 years out, there were still some of those 227 groups of four out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're still this, together. At least <laughs> this pair. At least this pair, yeah. And this is crazy because this is. Maya able to uh, basically observe another version of herself <laughs> interacting with another version of Kioma, but she is now crossed into a different sort of timeline or yeah. quantum strand and has vis- visibility yeah, and on herself. So really, this may not even be one of the simulations. This could literally just be her seeing herself in a future timeline. Yes. So. Again, We've we've seen this happen before. Mm-hmm. No no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's she's resigning. She's out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think she's, she's she sees this you know, the the Southern Maya and Southern Kyoma and them being together and I think I think that kind of puts her over the edge. She's like, you know what? I'm done doing this non-science, this yeah. sketchy, whatever. If this she sees is, that, they, that they have a future together, home. then why not go mm-hmm. for it? You know? Yep. She says, I'm done with this work and I'm done with being apart from you. I'll see you again soon. Um, and then kind of the important, almost one of the most important parts of this great amazing card is uh you know, i can't take this journal out with me so i've left it for the others and ask them to continue the log maybe it'll become a tradition the gospel of our little cult bom, bom, bom. <laughs> <laughs> smiley face <Yeah. laughs> all right and that takes yeah and that takes us to future war- so the few fu- it could be argued here that the future war cult arose around this journal uh, and this device and so the tradition of <laughs> throwing yourself into it and seeing what happens type thing but 
we're going to learn later that the future war cult starts to use it for a very specific yeah. purpose. Mm-hmm. But this is the origin. And, of and we should address um, that if you're out there and you play on Xbox One or Xbox 360 and you're like, what are you guys talking about? There is no Vex 5. That's because this card is PlayStation exclusive. Stupid. Well, I'll... Yes. <laughs> for your Grimoire card, for a Grimoire score, in collecting the Ghost, it is exclusive. But, thankfully, we have people that are able to get into the... Uh, with the APIs, Bungie, and like Baxter with Ishtar Collective. And so we are able to... We are able to still have the card. Thankfully. Well, if, I, I have the card. Yeah. Some people were able to uh, <laughs> find the means to get the card. Yeah, it's in what, the Restorative Mind Strike? Yes, it's in the arena for the Restorative Mind. Yeah, this is this is one of the, the coolest cards, in my opinion, in the whole mm-hmm. game. And it's criminal that it's that it's locked to half the community. But yeah, that's not lore, so <laughs> Alright, so that takes us right up to what is pretty widely believed to be the future war cult uh and we will get into the current iteration and where all these records and chasms have taken us uh sort of through the golden age uh maybe how they survived the collapse uh but really fwc has been very 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 active in this sort of like current new guardian age like we have done a lot of work with and for future war cult just in the story things that we've encountered so we're going to get pretty deep into that on the next episode which will be jumping jumping in deep with the current iteration of the future war cult but this takes care of the origins of the future war cult all right well this has been uh, another fun one love hearing that that vex 5 recording and uh, we broke it down for you. Yeah, thanks Hope again to Sherbert Pop. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was this card. This card and her audio is haunting to listen to. <laughs> it's great. All right. We will uh, see you all next time. Thanks. Yep. Cool. Thanks everyone. Yeah. Have a good night.